live statewide on the Ref Radio Sports Network. It's the T-Row in the Morning Show with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland and T.J. Perry. Join in and text the show on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Now, live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's the T-Row in the Morning Show with Toby Rowland. And T.J. Perry. Hurt steps up time. Takes a shot down the center of the field. And that one is picked off by Derek Forrest. They were looking for A.J. Brown. He's up and running at the 15-20. Got a blocker at the 35-40. They've got a flag down, but he's out to the 45-yard line. What a pick by Derek Forrest. Shot clock at 9. Tatum spins. Ball punched away, but saved by Smart. He's going to launch a three and drill it. What a week Marcus Smart is having. I, I was committed there, yes. Uh, I'd probably be the head coach at OU, but I'm but I'm in a great shape here. I don't have to, I don't have to listen to all that down there. Good morning, uh, good to see everybody. We marched it downfield. <laughs> <laughs> Hour two, T Row in the morning show on a Tuesday, November fifteen. Toby and TJ back with you. A one and Turkey Bacon. We are the Wayne and Garth of Oklahoma Sports Radio. This is the Ref, the home of Sooner fans. As if. Porter Moser joins us live at 8.30 this morning. His team's got a game tonight, third game of the season. UNC Wilmington, do you know the mascot for UNC Wilmington, TJ? The Rams. Oh! <sighs> UNC Wilmington 49ers? Oh! No. Coach K takes an L! But keep guessing until you get it. Just keep guessing. UNC Wilmington. No Googling. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I don't. I'm just blanking. I don't know. It's not Seahawks. the 49ers? Seahawks. No. Huh. Who's the 49ers? UNC, Wil- UNC uh, San Francisco. It's an NFL team. No, I know there's a collegiate team, it seems mm-hmm. like, in North Carolina, that is. Maybe I'm making that up. Uh, sh- Charlotte? Is that right? Charlotte, the 49ers? Maybe that's it. Maybe. Maybe. UNC yeah, I don't know. Charlotte. Uh, hang on a second. Um, what's UNC Charlotte? Let's see. That might be right. It might be right. Everybody in, out there listening, just hang on. Yeah, that's right, TJ. You got it. It's, it's Charlotte. All right, all right. So that was close. 49ers. Basically the same I mean, school. If, if close, you were completely wrong. <laughs> Why yeah, the Seahawks? Close. That doesn't make close. sense. Well, do you know where UNC Wilmington is? Do you no. know where North Carolina is? Have you ever gone anywhere but Mexico in your life? I have. I thought there were only Seahawks in Seattle. I don't know. <laughs> Wilmington, North Carolina is on the coast. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it seems a weird name to me. Basically Myrtle Beach area. Uh, that's not true at all. It's uh, it's <laughs> on the coast, though. Just no, lying to people now. <laughs> Myrtle Beach is in South Carolina. Well, um. Yeah, Wilmington in town tonight. We'll talk to Porter Moser coming up at 8.30 this morning. NBA last night, Thunder lose 126-122 to the Celtics. You know who I'm I'm becoming convinced, shockingly, is going to be a good pro? Pokashevsky. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I keep waiting... 
I, I'm sure it's going to happen. Like, oh, okay, well, that was just a 10-game run, and now he's back to being a – but he was really good again last night. I don't know, man. He's putting it together all of a sudden. I don't know how with his body frame or – I mean, anyway, they lost last night, but they were up for most of the night. They got Washington on the road tomorrow night now. Raptors over the Pistons, 115-111. It was the Hornets over the Magic, 112-105 last night. Heat, one better than the Suns, 113-112. The Heat had the meat. They did. Clippers over the Rockets, 122-106. The Rockets are 2-12. and Hawks beat the Bucks. Um, uh, T.Y.'s guys are 9-5 and five now. 121-106, good win for them in Milwaukee last night. And the Warriors win. They beat the Spurs badly, 132-95. The Warriors are only 6-8, and eight, though, on the season. In fact, your standings here, about 15 games into the season. So what is that, TJ? About 1-6th, one, one 1-5th of the way through a college basketball season, sure. something like that? Sure, or an NBA season, either one. What did I say, college basketball? Yeah, you said college. NBA, that's right. Yeah, you're more accurate on that than I am. Your uh, playoff teams in the West would be Portland, Denver, Utah, Memphis, Phoenix, Dallas. And then your play-in games would be Clippers, Pelicans, Sacramento, and Golden State. OKC tied with Golden State at 6-8, and eight, but I guess they don't have the tiebreaker right now or whatever. So anyway, it is early, early, early on in the NBA season. Also college basketball season, that would apply there as well. Okay, King of the Mountain, TJ, the Howsmith Restaurant Group King of the Mountain contest is over. All four of our participants oh. move on. Oh. Mickey Worley from Ringling had the Dolphins. They won. Ryan Taliaferro had the Giants. They won. Sam from Wayne had the 49ers. They won. And Tanya C. had the Giants as well. So all four move on wow. to week 11 in the Hal Smith Restaurant Group King of the Mountain Contest. Hey, back to the Thunder real quickly. So we flew to West Virginia and back out of the um, it was a charter flight. Uh, they're the kind of the charter flight place at uh, Will Rogers Airport. And... We've done this many times through the years, basketball and football, and it is also where the Thunder fly out of. And so for us, for the for us common folk, TJ, you park in the parking lot outside of the uh you know, the airport, and then you walk through the little uh airport terminal, not the main airport terminal, but the one for these charter flights. Okay. And you go out to the flight. I'm not explaining this very well, but there's a parking lot outside. There is a small building. You go into that building, and then you go through it out to the airplane. But for the Thunder, they get to park inside the gate. They all have their cars, and they open up the gate, and they allow them to park inside the gate. And then they go from there to the airplane. And (laughs) I was laughing this week because... When we got back, you can always tell if the Thunder are on a road trip because there's no cars out there. And then when we got back, there's a bunch of cars out there where they allow the people to park inside the gate. And I was like, oh, well, the Thunder Thunder are on a road trip. Uh, and they are. They're on the East Coast right now. But 
back when Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and Serge Ibaka and all those guys were on the team, it was like a car show. Things you, know, you wouldn't you, see typically even oh, going down the road, yeah. Ferraris and uh, Aston Martins, and I think I saw a Lamborghini one time, and you're like, it's always really cool just to kind of, you know, peek at the Thunder players' cars as you're picking up your bags and going back out to your Ford Taurus, you know, or whatever you're driving at the time. No offense but, to people that drive a Ford Taurus. Well, I drove one for many years. <laughs> Um, but I couldn't help but chuckle like the, the, this, this, uh, Saturday night we landed back from West Virginia and they had all the thunder cars out there and these are all, these are all, uh, young players on first contracts, right? Pretty much everybody. I saw one Land Rover, but the rest of them are like, um, just to, I'm not going to disparage any cars, but it looked like any parking lot you would well, ever see come anywhere. On. Even first-year guys, rookie guys, rookie salaries, whatever, okay. are making way more than you and I are making. Well, I mean, okay, I'm not saying they're terrible cars, but like a <laughs> like a Chevy Tahoe, for example. You right, know? right. Like it's a, it's a normal a nice person's Chevy car. nice Chevy Tahoe, though, yeah. Yeah, a nice Chevy Tahoe, and there's no Aston Martins or I Lamborghinis or Ferraris you. out there. I got you. Nobody's... Nobody's driving anything, you know, some broken down jalopy or anything like that. But you can tell by looking at the cars that are out there that we don't have guys on their twenty-five to forty million dollar contracts yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just by looking at the cars, they're like, oh, this is a young team, uh, still, you know, with a budget perhaps to them. I don't know. Anyway, just a nugget. Also, one more thing about last night's show. We did ask Brent about the. Penalty flag picked up in the end zone. Yes. He told, first off, he told Dean on his show Sunday that the referees told him that uh, C.J. Colden had not given himself up and it was a clean tackle. Because the knee just hadn't touched yet? Yes. But... That's not true. If you go watch the replay, one, the knee had touched, the t- and knee two, touched, yeah. he is obviously giving himself up. He is not in any way making. And three, it's borderline targeting. Well, all you had to just do was go that, up and touch him at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, just the hit that he took is vicious and late. It's ridiculous. Uh, you saw the uh, – what, what's the referee – that gives his opinion on Twitter. You can send him a play, and he'll give his opinion. Uh, I'll think of his name here in a bit. Anyway, he chimed in on it yesterday and said it absolutely should have been a flag. And um, so anyway, that's the explanation Brent was given. He obviously disagreed with it, but he said that's what they told me, was that um, he wasn't down yet and that it was a they, they deemed it a clean tackle. <laughs> well, all right <laughs> that's a clean tackle if yeah. it goes against an yeah. OU or Texas player right now right anyone right. else we're exactly. throwing flags we're trying to protect people at all costs but eh, you're on your way out of the conference <laughs> how dare you you're on your way out of the conference then uh you know anyway hey guess who's coming on the show with us on um Thursday morning, I'll be over at uh, I'll be over at uh, Brown O'Haver Brown on O'Haver. Thursday morning. Uh, John, yeah. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this oh. was a battle between a program with a winning culture and a program that does not have a winning culture. Is he okay, angry with you? With this. Not that I know of. Okay. Why would he be angry? Well, you keep playing that clip and kind of, uh, you know, taking little shots at him over it. What so shots about? I'm just playing his clip. Uh, well, you haven't just played the clip. You've talked about karma and some things on that call. It. Ladies and gentlemen, this was a battle again. between a program <laughs> with a winning culture and a program that does not have a winning culture. I do want to ask you Will you, you about... play it Thursday? Uh, yeah, I'll play it. I, I will... I, I do want to ask him about what comes over him late in games, because uh, he's just it's he gets just feisty. such a nice guy. Yeah, I want to, <laughs> Dave. Tell us about tell us about the Wolverine that lives inside of you when when it's a <laughs> when you start throwing shade late in games. Right. Yeah, yeah, we'll ask him about that call. Uh, anyway, yeah, Dave Hunzacker is going to come on on with us on Thursday morning show. Um, what else did I want to? Hear? Oh, one other uh, big time game tonight: college basketball. You got Kansas and Duke playing tonight. It's an eight thirty tip late game. It is the final game that Bill Self has to miss. TJ, for all those sins, uh, he gets to get back. Wait, on the he's already missed definition. games. He's missed the first three. What? This is his fourth and final game that uh, he is suspended for. Oh, thank goodness. Hopefully, they'll survive the season and be able to make the tournament now after this. Yeah, hopefully so. Okay. Break opening timeout, 7-16. Coming up, we're going to hear a little bit of Jeff Lebby from his press conference yesterday, and we'll take some more of your text messages, 405-651-3439. Tuesday edition, T-Row in the Morning Show. We'll be back. The T-Row in the Morning Show is powered by extreme outdoor equipment. Four-wheelers, side-by-sides, UTVs, travel trailers, or motorhome rentals. I-44 at the Newcastle Tuttle Exit 108. If you're looking to uh, make a move here coming up soon and sell your home, Terry Saxon's the call you need to make. Ask him about the $899 listing fee. Get the details on that. Nothing hidden there. He'll list your home for $899, saving you thousands of dollars on the sale of your home. You can visit his website, saxonrealtygroup.com, or give him a call, 405-361-3380. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh... I like how you really make sure you get that last T in and text. Text. Very good pronunciation. It sounds like the Rudy crowds need some signs that they can hold up that say, Stop, Coach, Stop. It's help Forrest Gump. Hey, I, would um, Carol and Marilyn and them like hold up signs? Uh, you know, Stop, Coach. No. No? And it's not necessary. They have the little license plates on their table, like at a Forrest Gump restaurant. They can just flip, Go, Coach, Go, Stop, Coach, Stop. No, it's a learning process between a show host and a guest. Uh, I've been through this with everyone. It sounds like a panic situation with producers. You, uh, well, producers are constantly in panic. Uh, I was one for many years. Uh, you're looking at the clock. You're in a control room. You've got directors yelling at you. You've got uh, brakes bearing down on you. And you just wish the host would do what you tell them to do. Right. Well, trust me, I've been in Blevins and Tegan's ears for years and years and years saying, why will these knuckleheads not do what I'm telling them to do in their ear right now? So, yeah, producers live in panic. Uh, but, no, that's just uh, same thing with, with Bob and Lincoln and Porter and Lon and Sherry and 
Jenny and all these coaches, Skip, and everybody through the years, you just kind of develop a little bit of nonverbal communication as you go that means, all right, I got to go to break. I need you to find a period. And, uh, yeah, so we're working through that on the year. We, uh, we've got, I mean, he, we figured it out. Like, he's he knows when I want to go to break now. I've just got to, I've figured out what to do to get him to stop. And, yeah, it's fine. Just reach over and tug on the back of his shirt. He's saying great things. I just got to get to a commercial break. That's all. <laughs> I feel like Venable's coaching approach is oddly unconventional. Do y'all agree? I'm going to need more explanation on that. I mean, he's different than some coaches, but probably the same as others. Um, what specifically? Uh, yeah, are you, you talking about his approach to uh, you know? He's been pretty stubborn about NIL. I think he's given in on some of that and realizing that some of that's oh, got to be a part of that. we talked a lot about that last yeah. night. So, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, there are things that loyalty, he's big on loyalty, which I think that's going to have to, you could still let's find guys about, that are loyal, but. Let's talk about NIL for a second. Okay. There's a big push. We had um, Jason Belzer on our show mm-hmm. yesterday about this Crimson Cream Collective and uh, trying to raise $3 million over the next uh, month before signing day and everything. And the, the the donor out there that has put up s- seven figures to get this thing started and everything. Crimson Cream. Is it CrimsonCreamCollective.com? Is that right? CrimsonCreamCollective.com, yes. There was okay. no and in there. Yes, correct. You can go donate. You can uh, you, you sign up. They match it. It's pretty cool. And And Oklahoma definitely you know, needs to be involved in that and needs to be a player. But I find this uh, a really fascinating study going forward. We're one year into this, okay? So definitely not enough information has been gathered yet. And they are winning some recruiting battles, and they are losing some recruiting battles. And some of the recruiting battles they've lost seem to be because maybe NIL was involved on the other side. All that kind of stuff. But the two schools that have been most blatantly NILing are Texas A&M and Miami. Right. Who are both having horrific years. Yes. Coincidence? Are you t- saying that there is a lo- loss of focus because they are so... They're so deep in the NIL and worrying about what cash goes where and how we're going to get kids that they're not co- focusing on the little things. I'm not saying anything. I'm just pointing out an interesting reality and asking if it's coincidence or not, or if there's a connection. I, I, I there. think it's too early to tell. Like that one texter sent in earlier, and I know he was kind of joking about the cat and everything, but he he said you received an NIL deal and are unmotivated. So. I mean, that is a question with kids of if they're handed big amounts of money, how motivated are they to do the things throughout the week to be successful on Saturday? I want to clarify, this is not an anti-NIL stance because Oklahoma needs to uh, step up their game because the people they're competing with in the SEC and Texas and Everybody else out there is is playing the NIL game, and Oklahoma's got to do it too. So we got to be on even playing ground. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the two that are just kind of blatantly out there, like right. buying players. It seems like are having horrific seasons. So 
I don't know. It's I, I early. Know. It's early in it, so it's I still don't know. interesting, though, isn't it? It is. So when you Most have Most of those ones, guys, though, are young and maybe aren't really impacting them yet because it's just the first year. and Maybe they're going to turn things around because they're just not old enough to be big impact players yet. I don't know. I don't know. I'm also still curious about how far you're able to go with it. Like, so OU's obviously put out some statements and are, are you know, in support of this yeah. new one that came along yesterday. And, and there's an initiative it, there's to an initiative try to there. step it up. Right. Like, no one representing, like, Ryan Broyles, Ryan Spangler, any of these guys that are on the board or, or ex-athletes, they're not allowed to go into uh, high school kids' living rooms, Right. Are they allowed as to recruit, go into as recruiters with with the coaches or in separate meetings and say this is what we can do for you? Are they allowed to do that, or is it something that the school I has to say so. this is what we have access to? I don't know the inner workings of that. It's a good question. That's what can, I'm curious about with this can, thing. If they could uh, go and, along or meet a kid or, or how, have a meeting with the kid and the parents. I don't know the X's and O's of of how it works, and I'm sure there's somebody out there listening right now who can text me or tell me. My kind of rudimentary understanding is that coach can't say to a player, we'll give you $100,000 to come here. Correct. He's not supposed to, yes. But they can say, here's four or five collectives that we've got. If you would like to reach out to them or I'll have one of them reach out to you and they can talk to you about kind of what we can do. So it's it's a little silly there, but it's – that's silly because the it's coaches are obviously letting the collective know how we value each individual. I would think so. Yeah, like we want w- player B to have this amount or player C to be offered this amount. I would think that I would think so. But I think the collective has to talk to the player separately from the coaching staff. I don't think they can They can't have the meeting together or anything. I don't think so. Okay. But again, that, I was that, curious about my, that cuz I wasn't sure. I could be wrong and hopefully somebody out there can explain it to me better how the legal, the NCAA legal conversation takes place for what we can offer you. You're not supposed to actually do anything for recruits. That's the whole thing. It's got, like, current players. Right, yeah, but that's not what's happening. But, so. then, yeah, I mean, I think the conversation is if you come here, we've got this amount of pool, and, and this is what we could perhaps do for you. But anyway, it's... It's just so bizarre that we're having this conversation, and that oh, I, I, I don't know. I know. I can't get over it. It's it's crazy. But you are but, right. The two that were out there the most and have been out there the most are not having good seasons, and it's not a situation. You know, Miami. You could look at and say, you know, coach early on in his tenure, uh, still, still, you know, yeah, changing and and, and getting some things where he sure. wants them. Jimbo's been established for five years now, and. I'm sorry, he's not been successful at A and M. He's well, had, one had one good year. He had one really good right. year, but yeah, uh, Oklahoma's not having a good year either. No, and no. So uh, maybe it's just all coincidental. So I don't know. Uh, it's TJ's fault for not uh, for me not listening to the podcast. Uh, that has been corrected. Once Tobia notified me that next commercial break, I posted the correct hour three, and I even put on there it's TJ's fault. So. Uh, oh, I can't wait corrected. to listen to that. that was such corrected. a great segment that you had uh, Self-inflicted is a great way to put it, guys. These guys are the kings of self-inflicted. Uh, inflicted. Uh, 
if you look up self-inflicted in the dictionary, it will say, see the OU football team. It's mind-boggling mm. how self-inflicted they are. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like actually started several years ago in regards to not having a clue to how to deal with prosperity. Uh, just very weird dynamic that's infiltrated through the program. Uh, what do you guys think, uh, William and Muldrow? Well, sure, a oh, lot of that is. They're, they, they've killed so many drives. You can look up and say, man, they had 450, 500 yards of offense but only scored this throughout the game. And a lot of that is, you know, penalties and shoot themselves in the foot and back yeah. it up. And now we've missed this field goal. And, and you know, uh, or we're going for it on fourth down and, and don't pick it up. Or they allow teams to pick up third and fourth down on the defensive side of the ball. So it's a lot of that. This is 100% true, and it 100% applies to the OU football team this year. How many times after a game you say, man, they beat themselves, especially the last two, okay? But I will say this. If you listen to any coach in any sport after they lose a game, they will feel mostly like they gave it away. Like the post-game interview with Porter Moser after the season opener was like, oh, we just killed ourselves late in that game. We had the lead, and we took bad shots, and we were careless with it, and it was all self-inflicted. You know, very, very few coaches will, you know, come out and say, well, we just weren't – we tra- we we gave it our best, and we just weren't the better team tonight. It happens, but not much. Most of the time, it's how oh, we beat ourselves. So it is 100% true with this OU football team, but – it's college sports, so it happens everywhere all the time. That the team that loses feels like they gave it away, and that certainly was the case for Oklahoma on Saturday. They feel like they gave it away, mm-hmm. and they did. They did. One more. Uh, one more. I've got a screenshot here from the show last night. It says I was watching the huddle last night and noticed this. Where in the world is Fort Wart? Uh, they've got it circled here on the ribbon banner on y'all's uh, desk that they run in front of there with scores and stuff like that. It's got the TCU Texas score from hmm. Fort Wart, Texas. <laughs> Is it like the ESPN banner on the yeah. bottom? Yeah, the ESPN oh. banner on the bottom. That's uh, it looks. It makes it look like it's on you guys' desk in front of you. You know, that's kind of scrolling yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, uh, so they left yeah. They left the H, off. They left the eight off, H off. So yeah. <laughs> oh, All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Jeff Levy next here on the T Row of the Morning Show. The Ref. Network Studios are powered by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, tornado. We can help. Call 405-735-5510. You ever had pumpkin-flavored tortilla chips? I don't eat pumpkin-flavored much. I'm not a fan of the pumpkin flavor. You like pumpkin pie? I'll eat it, but I'll I'll select many, many other pies if available over a pumpkin pie. Same page. Yeah. Uh, I feel obligated on Thanksgiving to eat a piece of pumpkin pie because it's America. Yeah. But not my favorite pie. I'd much rather have uh, pecan pie or chocolate pie or anything else. But I saw the pumpkin-flavored tortilla chips. at gross. I hate to talk about this, but I'm a member of a secret club run by a man named Sam. And they were selling pumpkin-flavored tortilla (laughs) chips there. That just sounds disgusting. Like, like, yeah, that's why I said, like, why? Like, who, what's the demand for that? <laughs> like, like, was someone out there requesting that? Well, apparently. Huh? It looked like they had plenty left, so uh, they weren't fighting over them in the aisles, anyway. <laughs> they were flying off the shelf. 
No. Okay, uh, let's let's hear from Jeff Levy. Oh, oh, uh, hey, 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 calm down. Just a guy walking by. Um, so here is Jeff Levy asked about the penalties and the TJ self-inflicted wounds on Saturday. Yeah, I think the frustrating thing is right. You you look at winning football championship football. You're you're talking about from a goal standpoint. You want to be one in thirty, one in thirty-two uh, plays with out of penalty, right? So that's that's kind of what the mind frame is. That's where you're looking at when you're looking at teams that are the least penalized teams in, in college football playing at a championship level. They're right around 1-30. And, and yesterday, or Saturday, we were 1-34. The biggest issue is that both penalties that we had offensively took points off the board. And so those two penalties were not just big penalties, but they, they changed the entire game. And that's the most frustrating part is that you know, we, we go play the plays that we play. We have two penalties, um, and both of them took points off the board. So uh, it's just it's not good enough. You know, we, we can't do that in short yardage situations. we got to have better attention to detail uh, on the third and one where we walk into the end zone, and it's a perfectly legal play, but we're past the line of scrimmage by, you know, about 12 inches. So it uh, can't happen. You got to coach it better. Uh, got to execute it cleaner. And uh, we're sitting here talking about something completely different today. Six penalties on offense, or six penalties on the day. Two of them on offense. Uh, one of them was the Braden Willis touchdown that was wiped off the board because he was across the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what happened on that play, by the way? Do they explain it on television? They did on, on that day, yeah. So at okay. first I didn't, and then once they explained it, yeah. Now you can pick. You're allowed to set a pick. Well, I'm going to explain it anyway. So you can, you're man, allowed to set it. a pick pick which i believe it was uh theo weiss think was it theo weiss that was the receiver there i think it was if the pass is behind the line of scrimmage and he obviously set a pick he didn't just kind of mosey over there and get in the way he like went full out to block the guy Uh, if the pass is in front of the line of scrimmage you cannot do that and so that's what they uh they called it a touchdown, and since it's a scoring play, they went back to look at it because the ref was saying, that's a pick. But I think it was behind the line of scrimmage. They went back and looked at it, and it wasn't, so thus the flag. The other penalty was on the fourth and one when they lined up in a jumbo set. They brought in Savion Bird to play guard. They moved Chris Murray into the backfield as a lead blocker, and somebody jumped. I think it might have been Chris Murray, actually, but somebody jumped. And instead of fourth and one, they had fourth and six. And then the fourth and six play got batted down. So those are the two plays that uh, Jeff Levy is talking about on offense. He was also asked about the passing game, TJ. There has been frustration that they can't seem to hit the big one. Now, they did hit a big play Saturday in the passing game. They hit one or two a game, but they miss on several. Yeah. Yeah. Mims on a on a nice like scramble play. Gabriel kept a play alive, and Mims kind of slipped behind his guy down the far sideline, and that was a big play. But he obviously he dropped the touchdown, and there's a couple other deep balls that were just short or just long. And this has been a running theme. I just have not been able to consistently connect on the big plays in the passing game. Yeah, so the, the first piece of it, I, I'm surprised that we haven't created more chunks in the throw game, without a doubt. And, again, I think you've seen, if you go back and you watch it, there's been great opportunities where uh, 
we we have not hadn't connected, and so that that is surprising. It's frustrating because you got a chance to to get away from these guys at times in multiple games where we don't. Um, so yes, that's surprising and frustrating. Uh, the next thing is is Dylan has freedom more post-snap than he does pre-snap because we play with the tempo we play with. Because we're playing so fast, we're trying to, again, create a bunch of stress. And then his decision-making is going to happen post-snap, which really from a decision standpoint, uh, Dylan's been been pretty clean. Got to continue to get a heck of a lot better. But I think the stress is just creating those chunks in the throw game for, for him. Question for you, TJ. I'm not, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not. This is not an accusation. It's just a topic for discussion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does the up tempo jive with Brent Venable's defense? This is. I'm not the first person to bring this up, but we are ten games into a season now. They have lost the time of possession in nine of those ten games. Mm-hmm. The defense is obviously a problem in the fourth quarter. Wore down. And they're on they're on the field forever. And the offense is going so fast. They the time of possession was 14 and a half minutes different Saturday. So the defense is on the field 14 and a half more minutes than than the opposing defenses. Right. Now, this up tempo has been very successful for Jeff Levy. We're going to see Oklahoma State come in on Saturday and go just as fast if not faster than OU. We've seen a lot of teams go up tempo on OU. So it's a popular way to play offense. But I don't remember Clemson doing it a lot. Now Maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm just wondering if we're going to see going forward BV say, all right, let's calm it down just a little bit. Or, no, this is the way Jeff Levy plays, and you got to get used to it. you gotta, I, you got to learn to be good. I think that's the way football's played now. I, I think guys are conditioned to it and used to it, so... Um, like you said, he's not the only one running an up-tempo offense like that. Like numerous programs across the country do in high schools, and so I think these guys are conditioned and kind of getting used to it. I would think so on the defensive side of the ball and being out there more than perhaps what you were used to in the past. Yeah, but perhaps the style doesn't mesh, is what you're saying. Not necessarily conditioning, but. What's seven and a half times? Well, they played ten games. That's seventy-five minutes. So they're they're averaging time of possession negative seven and a half minutes a game. So that's an hour. If my math is right, that's an hour and fifteen minutes. That's a whole game and a quarter that the defense has been on the field more than the offense this year. Wow! If I did the math right there. Well, that's a lot. Well, I know I I agree, I agree with you. Teams are going fast. Everybody seems to be going fast. Right. But those teams that are also going fast are winning the time of possession against us who are going fast. To the point they're they're forcing our defense to be on the field longer than their defense is being on the field, even though they're also going fast. Yeah, and a lot of defenses have tried to slow that down themselves by the substitution situation where it's like I'm going to lollygag out there and take my time getting out there and kind of slow this offense down so I don't know it's an interesting quandary I it's I think if you if you go to Levy and say 
let's don't go quite so fast. Maybe mix it in here and there. We, we saw Lincoln Riley do this, you know. If you mix it in here and there, but let's let's try to let's try to give our defense a little bit of a break. Then you are kind of taken away from Levy what has made him really good at Ole Miss and at UCF, and this is kind of part of his secret sauce, right? But at the same time, it's at the expense, perhaps, of what has made Brent Venables really good, which is, you know, the ability to have a rested uh, a team that you can talk to a while over on the sidelines, defense, you know, work through things and, I don't know, just speculation. I want it to work. We all want it to work. But, man, when you look up at the end of the day and the differential in time of possession is 14 and a half minutes, and you say, well, why was the defense not able to hold up in the fourth quarter? Well, kind of. I mean, the two kind of seem like maybe they go together, right? Yeah. Could some maybe? of that, too, be you just need to develop the depth on that side of the ball and be able to... It's a good point. Handle that towards the end of games. You get off the field. Yeah. Get off the field and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I don't know. Just a thought. 748, we'll be back. Wake up with Toby Rowland, the T-Row in the morning show. Weekdays from 6 to 8 a.m. It's what a sports show sounds like when people remember to have fun. Oh, my God. Toby. Toby's getting held back by security. T-Row and TJ on the home of Sooner fans. He's Toby. I'm TJ. Brownway Hiver Studios, this is the T-Row in the Morning Show. This hour brought to you by Saxon Realty Group. Hit them up on the $8.99 listing fee. That's correct, $8.99. Save thousands of dollars, 405-361-3380. Or visit Terry online, saxonrealtygroup.com. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let me scroll up here, see what people are saying about some of what you were just talking about. Uh, let's see. The key in running, uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line, the key in running a fast offense is the offense has to score consistently before you run the defense out there over and over. Yeah. You can't go three and out. You can't go three and out. That's true. If QB play was better and the offense scored more, that would help the defense. So kind of a similar Mm -hmm. uh, statement there. Not sure... This helps, but Tennessee was similar in terms of how fast the offense goes, but the defense being on the field a ton last season. Okay. So maybe so uh, kind of a year to gear up. We're saying, yeah. 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 Uh, good question, Toby. What are the elite teams, not just the elite offenses, doing in that regard? Does Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, etc. Uh, what are they doing on those stats? Maybe about. I don't. See. Some of them go. Some of those teams, like Tennessee, does a ton of up tempo this year. Right. Don't I don't think Georgia does a ton, or Alabama. Um, I don't know. It's pretty. Uh, Ohio State does some up tempo. There's, uh, I mean, it's pretty prolific in college football these days. It's not a one off kind of a thing. So, um, hmm. all right. What else you got? Uh, the up tempo. Load it. Loading, loading, blue dot, blue dot. Come on. Doesn't like that text, apparently, that it has some mm. insult at the end. 
Uh, let's see if I can open a different one. You have an insult protector on your uh, uh, inbox? The up-tempo is a massive success at Tennessee and Ole Miss. The OU defense had stops on the first five possessions last week and gave up no points till the last minute of the first half. Problem is too many three and outs. Get first downs, use more short passes, stretch the drives out. It's Joe in Tulsa. Okay. I'm not against the up-tempo. I feel like that people think I'm against the up-tempo. I'm simply presenting a question. It was actually the first six defensive possessions. Oh, you got stops last week. Uh, interception, punt, 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 fumble, punt. And then they gave up points on four of the last six possessions, which is kind of my point here, or the question I'm posing, I guess. Started strong, fourth quarters against West Virginia and uh, Baylor, Struggled mightily, really, all year long. OU's been outscored in the fourth quarter. So just wondering if the two are connected. But you're right. It's 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 all about complementary football, TJ. That's what we talk about all the time. In order for it to work, you need your offense to be successful. right? If your offense is successful and they're not going three and out, then your defense isn't out there all day. So they can go as fa- they can go fast. Like Tennessee's going up and down the field. Right. Very this clear. year. This yeah. year. But they're keeping the ball for a long amount of time, so it, it works together. It's, it, if your offense is better, your defense isn't out there as long, and so forth and so on. So that's the ideal scenario. Levy could slow it down more if he could get the team ahead far enough to slow it down purposely to keep the op- uh, uh, the offense off, the opposition's offense off the field. Above is a duh, duh statement, but maybe needs to be said. As usual, it's always TJ's fault. Yeah, that's true. How am I to blame for any of that? I will not take blame for that. Um, Nah, it's definitely your fault. This one says, Toby, it's hard to evaluate a team on strategy when nothing is working. (laughs) Okay. To Toby's point, let me scroll down here. To Toby's point, yes, the pace of the offense impacts the defense. This is especially true when you don't have the depth like we're dealing with this year. That said, in BB's introductory press conference, he said that pace on all fans. He said uh, that pace on all fans cannot be an excuse for defense. All offense. Yeah, that's and I think that's, that's where they'll. I yeah. think that's where they land on this, and I think that that has been Brent's message all along. Is um, the defense's job is to go out there and get off the field, regardless. Uh, so. I don't think he's going to ask Jeff to change anything. I think he's going to, you know, let's be better on offense so our defense isn't out there as long. But whenever our defense is asked to be on the field, their job is to get off the field. So I think things will stay the same in the end. 8 o'clock, we'll be back.